It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767-1888-458-6926. Or you can text short code to 35270. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to a busy weekend at the uh, Jack Michael Show. Brad Anderson in studio. Derek Hansen is uh, over at uh, Outlet. Uh, Outlet. Uh, let me try that again. Outlet Recreation. He is uh, uh, broadcasting live over there. Hello, Derek. I'm doing well. Sitting in a nice Barletta pontoon, just relaxing, uh, getting ready. So yeah, I, it's nice. I would imagine over there they're trying to maybe get rid of some inventory and start thinking about next spring and yeah. summer. I would imagine. That's for sure. Well, it's nice they have inventory. That's what they're happy about. You Absolutely. Know, the last couple of years, it, was, it snapped up pretty quickly. But no, they got Ice Castle Fish Houses here for those people who want to hunt and then get ready for the fishing season. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool deal. All right, and uh, we will find out where in the world Jack Michaels is, and he is, uh, I believe, with us. Hello, <laughs> sir. If Jack is with us or not. Hmm. Uh, I hear you, but I don't think I've got uh, locked in uh, through my earbuds here through the board. Just a little technical stuff okay. there. I can hear you over the right, we'll, speaker. But... We will see if he can come back here. Well, Jack, I'll uh, put you away here for now, and Jack will hopefully join us. He's on his way to uh, catch the uh, catch the charter UND in Northern Arizona. He headed to Flagstaff for interesting matchup there. And, and a lot of things I want to get to, and we can certainly uh, take your phone calls, 237-3767-1888-458-6926. Or you can text us as well, 35270. And I just, a lot of things to follow this weekend. And uh, with the Red Hawks winning last night, that's one more thing. As uh, congrats to the uh, Red Hawks, did it again as they were down, um, losing the first game of the best of three series. And, you know, after their first series in Winnipeg, um, I wasn't so surprised they came back home, won those two games, won the series. But to do what they did in Kansas City, and we'll get uh, Jack back and joining us here, but uh, um, to do what they did in Kansas City, a team that uh, they honestly had struggled with at times, and to do what they did on the road is uh, is impressive. And now best of five of the Milwaukee Milkmen starts in, uh, in uh, Franklin, Wisconsin tomorrow night. But uh, first off, uh, shout out and congrats to the Red Hawks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no question. I'm not sure Jack is with yeah. us, but it, you know, it's a one. It's one of these things, you know, Brad, where you look at it, and and I think it was almost improbable after the loss on Monday, right? I mean, I, I just think a lot of us are thinking, oh, there's just no way they're going to get it done. But they found a way. Good pitching, timely hitting. I mean, that this is about impressive. They can win the title, and you know, they certainly deserve it. They've been so close how many years now. Uh, this is one that we'll think about quite a bit because they had their back against the walls twice now against Winnipeg and now obviously against Kansas City. This is going to be a fun one. This is something I think Chris Coase and his squad will think about a long time if they can bring home the bacon here. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's the one thing that honestly has been missing since they've been in the American Association a little over a decade now. And that's yep. the one thing that's missing is uh, is a championship. Yeah, for sure. And they've had some talent, you know. The thing is, it's kind of like a lot of things. If they had some talent, they've had some you know, really some additions that they've made over the years, some guys who you know have gotten cups of coffee you know, in, in the major leagues and, and systems and trying to get back up going through the actual organized ball minor leagues, and and it just hasn't worked out. Why? Well, because teams like Kansas City are there, and they're trying to get better too, right? And, you know, St. Paul before them, before they became uh, a joint with affiliated baseball. So 
it is uh you know it, it's been quite a journey for them okay. hopefully they can uh, finish it now against a very good milwaukee team but i really hope that they can finish this thing off now all right we got uh, jack via the phone here now and uh, jack are you with us where first of all where are you at in your uh, in your never-ending vagabond journeys well about Four hours ago, I was sleeping at a dog park in Sioux Falls, and I'm not lying. <laughs> the, uh, I'm not kidding you. I, I pulled over, but I'm on I'm on 29 North, and go figure, more construction. But uh, yeah, it's really uh, it's good to have the eyes open anyway. Uh, and uh, what a night last night! What a special night last night! And and uh, Brad, I know you got the call this weekend, and I uh, I have a game on Arizona, but. Uh, Really looking forward to, to catching uh, your call this weekend in Milwaukee and tonight, for that matter. But yeah, special night uh, last night for the Red Hawks, Derek and, and Brad. And and uh, by the way, Derek, when you bump into Mike Larson, had I known you're going to be an outlet wreck, maybe I could have borrowed a nice big cruising vessel to to come back in on the on the road trip. Yeah, they got rentals here for sure. I mean, they they could, they, they would have worked it out. You could have got. I'm looking at a. Uh, a rental now for a sun seeker right now. It could have worked out oh, well for you. And just the way think you're of, going, you might as well have that. Just think about that. <laughs> you could find you a campground or just a Walmart parking lot. Yeah. You could you could rest your head and then you know get up and try it again, Jack. Uh, like a scene out of We're the Millers. Anyway, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, guys, I tell you, you know, think about this spring. A kid named Peyton Wigginton was throwing for Middle Tennessee State University, right? and he's a rookie. Out of college, not knowing, you know, where where the future, where his pro ball was going to take him. And he gets signed by the Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawks. And in his first outing, you know, he, he, he pitches a three-inning save way, way back, you know, early in the year. And then proceeds to put up nine wins in an AA season, which which is, a, you know, that's like an equivalent of a, you know, 15-plus win in a Major League Baseball season or more. And then his number is called on the, the, the rubber game, the, the game to win the Western Division playoffs, or your season is done. And he was absolutely fantastic last night. He really was. And he held down a lineup that is full of MLB experienced guys, MLB and AAA. That's what, that's what he was up against last night. And then he got great defensive help, guys. You know, he got you know Alec Olin made a sparkling catch in left field. He threw out a runner at third. John Silviano uh, made a head-first dive in, in right field early in the game. Christian Correa threw out a would-be base hitter. Uh, the Red Hawks flipped a couple of double plays, one that was just an incredible turn by Peter Maris. So, I mean, Wigginton, great. And they say if you can pitch it and you catch it, you know, you got a chance. Well, they pitch it and caught it, and then Correa got a home run early. You know, the Red Hawks added on a run here, a run there late. And, uh, and then Alex Dubord. You know, and, and Davis Feldman, you know, they got some relievers that stepped in just large last night and Dubord after throwing a six-out save the night before. Chris Coast told me before the game yesterday, he goes, hey, I doubt we're going to have Doobie, but uh, we should have most. So when Alex, I saw warming up, I thought, well, Alex must have told him that he's feeling great. And he came in and shut the door down in the ninth and uh, – Really was a nice win, and I, I uh, well deserved, well deserved. You you guys have seen these guys; they have they have fought from almost wire to wire with a with a, the same collection of guys. And uh, boy, I'm just uh, couldn't be more happy for the Red Hawks, the organization, and and they're not done yet. Uh, they got to face a pretty good Milwaukee team now coming up.
Yeah, Milwaukee just doing like they Milwaukee hasn't really hit the ball particularly well in the postseason. They're hitting about two hundred in their five games, but they've really done it with pitching. You look at the scores of the games they've won in the playoffs. It was five two and two one over Cleburne, but it was a lot of two one, three one type of games. So maybe offensively, Red Hawks have an maybe have the advantage there, but uh, they hit the road wide away. And boy, uh, not that they haven't needed game one on those first two series, but it'd be nice to at least get get a split, come back home. Yeah, it'd be nice to kind of flip that script, wouldn't it, and not put yourself in a in a spot. The only difference, of course, this is a finally we've we've reached a five game series, a best of five series. So that's that's good on that. And yeah, Brad, to your point, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, one of the one of the hurlers for for uh, Milwaukee. I mean, he went five and a third or five and two thirds the other night, struck out twelve in the game without yielding a run. Yeah, they're they're good on the front end and they're good on the back end. Uh, is Milwaukee, but I tell you something about that turf infield, turf outfield, ball tends to jump that you're going to experience, Brad, in the next couple of days. Hopefully the bats can uh, continue to barrel, and that ball scoots off that carpet. So, Katie, bar the door. That should be a fun couple of games in, in Franklin, Wisconsin. Yep, and that just uh, the schedule on that, 6 p.m. tomorrow night. That'll be on 101.9 Jack FM. We're going to have the Twins here, a, a key day-night doubleheader, and we're going to visit with Corey Provis. Radio voice of the Twins later on in the program about that key five-game series. Minnesota gained a game, so they are four back and a five-gamer. And this could be make or break if the Twins have any uh, pennant hopes. It'll be coming up later in the program. Uh, but 6 o'clock on Jack FM after Gopher football tomorrow. Back here on the fans Sunday, 1 o'clock with a 12.40 pregame. And game three in Fargo is set for 6.30. And if we get time today, I've got three pairs of tickets to that third game. We might uh, try and give those away if, if if time permits. So just keep that in mind. We do have a pretty uh, busy show here as we will visit with Corey. Jody Norstead from Midco Sports will join us as uh, we'll talk a little high school football. Our game, our first high school game on the fan. We've been over on KFGO FM for the first few weeks of the year. But a good one is really Two and eleven double A, the class eleven double A that are really intriguing. Shanley and Cheyenne is one. Deacons number one this week in the poll. And the last unbeaten left in eleven double A, and they'll face the Mustangs. We'll have Davies and West Fargo. Another intriguing matchup. Davies two and one. West Fargo's one and two, but their two losses by less than a touchdown to Shanley and then a seven six loss to Legacy um uh, last week. And that'll be coming up tonight here in the fan pregame about six forty five. Brad, you know what the best part about that is? Is that uh I was listening to Derek Sports this morning after I slept at that dog park, by the way, <laughs> on KFGO. And uh, I just kind of cut out of a little slumber and said, okay, the last leg, let's go. And uh, the best part about what you just said, Brad, is you don't have to search or put an antenna like Clark Griswold on your house or <laughs> find some kind of weird website or a Prime or a Yahoo to find that game. Uh, last night at Kansas City, a very thin crowd, as you can imagine, when the Chiefs play. Mm-hmm. That's the only game in town. But I was listening to Derek and Joel talk this morning about finding And Derek, you're right. I think the older we get, we get curmudgeoning and going, but if I can't find it on my first normal click, I'm out of here. I'm going to read a book or play yep. cribbage or something. You know, that's a great point. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah go yeah, ahead, Derek. Yeah. Go ahead, Derek. Well, I just think I think it's a big mistake by the NFL. I think what made the NFL the NFL was, you know, having easy access to the games, you know, the regional thing, Pete Rozelle, you know, he, he ticked off a lot of the owners by saying, guess what? We're going to go nationwide. You're not going to have your own deal. And it worked. I mean, you know, CBS and NBC on Sunday afternoons made, you know, surpassed baseball in the late seventies, early eighties by doing this formula. 
And if you're going to make it harder for people who are, and you can, you know, all the people out there say whatever boomer if you want, but if it's going to be tough for the people who are in nursing homes and, and assisted living and, you know, people like my parents, you know, my dad last night, he said, what, where's the football game? I said, it's only on Amazon prime. He goes, that's stupid. I said, you want me to hook it up? He goes, no, I ain't going to bother with that. You can't yeah. have that. I mean, cause, cause you know what? I just don't care enough outside the Vikings, whoever plays, you know, the NFC North teams. I just don't think the NFL product is that good enough. I don't play fantasy football where I'm going to follow it that much. And, it's a huge mistake. I think it's a big time mistake by the NFL to go down this road. I just don't think a, a huge generation of your followers are going to want to go through the streaming service. You know, TV, cable, dish, whatever. That's what they're used to. Do you think they had a window of Thursday night football? It was kind of the least attractive of the major sports packages. Uh, Fox didn't really want it. I don't think any of the other major networks wanted it. I'm kind of surprised they didn't maybe, you know, attach the NFL network to it. That's a little more readily accessible right. maybe to some people. Um, but, you know, I think I think this kind of gave the NFL a window to, you know what, let's try the streaming services. Let's see how it works on Thursday night and go from there. Yeah. It's a good yeah, point. I think you bring up a good point. It's true. And, Derek, you and I, I think, have been talking about this for, I don't know, how many years. And, and Brad, you know, saturation – in anything, you know, is I don't think is is great, and saturation depending on how popular your product is, um, it's got to be pretty much ownership of of ninety percent of that pie, and I think the NFL thinks they've got that, and I, I really do, and right. I think that they could say, look, we can stretch it out here, we can put it in Timbuktu on some weird thing you're going to have to purchase to. And, and they'll do it. Why? Because we're the National Football League. And I really think that is. The change is inevitable, but at, to what extent uh, saturation and change thins out your product and is a detriment? I don't know. I guess the, the jury's probably going to be out on that for a while. Major League Baseball's well, kind of... Well, uh, so Major League Baseball's kind of dipped their toe in the water a little bit. They've done uh, some games on YouTube's. It's usually kind of the midweek day games. I know this a few of the noon Twins games have been on there. They've done some stuff on Apple TV. So they've kind of dipped their toes in the water. I think if the NBA and NHL, they've really uh, gone headlong into it. And obviously the ESPN Plus, you can get a lot of college games. So I think that's. I think the one thing, like for me, is I guess the one thing that's kind of held me back is like. All right, so I can get this on YouTube. I can get this on Hulu. I can get this on Amazon Prime. Am I going to st- want to start spending all that money? And I'm I'm throwing money at four or five different places that I'm not sure where it's going or right. how much I'm paying. That's a great point. I mean, I think the big mistake is that, you know, you look at a I, – I think the NFL, the, the difference between those you – know, I, mean, I think, like, the, the other sports are regional, right? I mean, I, I want you to say that a lot of people are Twins fans here – not like the old Sunday night baseball with uh, John Miller and, and uh, you know, Joe Morgan, where you kind of would maybe watch the Braves taking on the Dodgers or something. I think that's gone out the window. I don't know many twins fans that follow much outside the American league central anymore. And I think baseball almost has too much TV because we take, you know, we, we didn't take it for granted to see a game on TV Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon with Vince Scully. And I think the same thing goes for some of the other sports where, I'll follow the Timberwolves. I don't know how many of the other big games I'm going to watch. Not like Sunday afternoons when Michael Jordan was playing, you know, back in the '90s. So, I, I just think the NFL has got to be careful here not to become boxing, where because you know it's weird. We all pay for cable, right, or dish, you know, that type of right. thing, and we didn't really think of us paying extra for that, even though we are. 
where I think people who think I'm not going to pay 12, whatever it is a month just to watch Thursday night football. And I think it's, that's more of a pay, pay-per-view type of thing that killed boxing. And I don't, I think that's one thing that NFL's per, perception wise, it's not really that different, but it is for a generation of people. Well, I don't know if you guys have had the, the NFL package I have in various years. And you know what I despise, but at the same time it gets addicting, but I kind of despise it, but yet I flick it, but yet I despise it is the, is the red zone. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm so used to watching a game, taking in that game, consuming that game, maybe flip it over to the other one, you know, and that's it. Now you got this red zone where you got how many games where it's, and now here we go. And now I'm, now I'm off the game that I have. And I'm going to go see if someone scores, even though I don't have a best vested interest in it, but that's like how we've become right now. It's, it's just, so obviously the NFL is in, in, in dish networks are cashing in on, on the um, uh, just our attention deficits that we have now in this world for sports and everything else. But yeah, I, I like to, again, let me remind the younger view, listeners. We waited till Monday night at halftime to get our highlights growing up. Some of us. Right. I grew up in the hundred no, percent. Right. Derek and I kind of grew up in the days with NBC with the 10 minute ticker. Remember that during games? The 10 minute. Yeah. Ticker. That's right. <laughs> The ten minute ticker, they would show the scores of games or, or they would yeah. maybe show up with a crawl or sorry, you know, they'd send it back to Bob or Bob Costas or whoever was in the booth in uh, in New York or Brett Musburger and yeah, things have changed a little bit. You know, I've never done the red zone package. I do like the NFL network. If you miss games during the week, they'll I think they still do this where they, they give you kind of the condensed version and that's uh yeah. I think for all our attention spans that works out slick. Yeah, it does. By the that's way, after that Kansas after that Kansas City series that just got done, I'm still working on my nine inning ticker. That's still gone a little bit. That's, <laughs> that was a that was a ticker. That was a ticker last night. Uh, but none, the guys wanted. By the way, I don't know if you guys have ever driven in a vehicle for ten hours with uh, champagne drenched clothes. I did not. The guys were chanting to bring me down to the field last night, and I'm like. I would love to, fellas, but I've, all I'm thinking about is I'm going to be driving 10 hours in a champagne bath. Nah, yeah. probably not. Probably not. And plus, could you imagine being pulled over and what my, you know, in the, like the Kansas, like the Missouri State Police or the Kansas right. State Highway Trooper? And I'm like, no, officer, I haven't been drinking. Boy, you sure smell like you have. Well, I know. I just came from a, a well, sure you did. Anyway, but that was all good. Yeah, it's uh, uh, certainly, uh, I'm sure, a good time had by all there. And uh, yeah, if it, realizing that you have to get on a flight, that's a whole different animal for you. So planes, trains, and automobiles for uh, old yeah. uh, for Jack Michaels here. There's no <laughs> getting around it. Guys, let Brad, us... You can, yeah, go you ahead. Just, Brad, you can call me Del Griffith, the shower curtain ring fellow. Yes. Oh, you're well past right, that point. Exactly. You're well past happened. that point. There's no question about it. You know, <laughs> intriguing things this weekend. Um, you know, I think, obviously, NDSU, Arizona, I think you're going to see some points scored in that game. I think Arizona's got, uh, with the transfers, they got a lot of good wide receivers. That's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, Gophers are heavily favored against uh, Colorado. Uh, just for your guys' standpoint, UND Northern Arizona is very entertaining. Twins kind of playing for their lives. What are uh, some things that stand out for you as far as the uh, from a uh, from a from a regional or national scale for this weekend? I'll, if I go first, I'll throw one question. What would what headline would make both of your eyes open in the NDSU Arizona game? What headline? 
What what would be it? Wildcats win sixty three to sixty barn burner. Okay. okay, or sixty three to thirteen, you know, something like that. Yeah, like well, that would open your eyes and go, Wow. Yeah. No, I mean there's just so much out there. I mean, I think there's a lot of there's not many intriguing FBS matchups this weekend. I don't know if you kind of looked at the slate of games. I mean, unless you have it, you know, that's part of the reason that game day, I think, is going to Appalachian State. So it's kind of a ho-hum FBS weekend. So in, in the, when, sometimes when that happens, maybe you'll have more upsets, too. Maybe South Carolina shocks Georgia. That's the only real intrigue game this weekend. So it's going to be kind of fun to watch that as long as I can stay up, you know, till 2 o'clock in the morning to see how that one finishes out. I would say I, think, I would say maybe you got you got Nebraska taking on Oklahoma in Lincoln after Scott Frost yeah. gone. That one uh, I think that one's yep. an intriguing. Uh, that's one at least keeping some eyes on early on uh, early on Saturday. That's, yeah. that's a good call. I, I think if if and I don't expect this to happen, but if Southern Illinois does pull out, you know, fixes everything that 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 they've been slow to start with, and 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 pushes Northwestern a little bit. Again, keep in mind the Salugis were. We're touted preseason, and uh, they've come out of the yeah. gate slow. So if, if that, if that, if there's any noise there, uh, that would open it up. And and I think for UND, it's it's uh, you know my personal thought, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Is it you know can they carry you know what they did last week, fix some things that that you know they didn't do well, and find a way to to knock off uh, NAU on the road. I think that would uh, set up a really good uh, uh, first three games for North Dakota, but. Yeah, I like the Nebraska-Oklahoma. I'm sure <laughs> are the booze coming or the booze going to stay away and how bad is that one going to be? And is and Casey Thompson uh, deliver the goods? Uh, the, the Texas transfer quarterback? Yeah, I'm, that's a good call. The other thing, too, I would think with the UND game, when, I, when the season came out, Jack, I was really thought if they could get through the first four games and go at worst two and two, I really yep. think they'd be sitting good. That's why I think – and in, in what, in what's happened to Southern Illinois has been a little bit of a surprise, and we talked about it yesterday. They go to Northwestern tomorrow, and they might be 0-3 playing with their season on the line next week when they face the Fighting Hawks. But, yeah, I, I always looked at 2-2, two and two, and if you could get get through that and then, uh, you know, the rest of the schedule there, you know, to try and get to, you know, 6-5, and 7-4, and four, whatever the case is, and I, I, I'm still going to stand by that statement. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like do. I've... Like I'm Barnesville and I'm playing Caledonia, Holly, and Pelican Rapids. You know this Bing Bang Bong kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, that that schedule is exactly right. It's a tough schedule, and uh, I agree with you. I, I think if you go two and two, and then you're you're staring what like a Missouri State in the face, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that would be. Uh, so it's a large win. Every game is big, but uh, tomorrow would be uh, absolutely big. Yep, no question about that. Speaking of Barnesville, Derek, they got a, they got a good one tonight with Pelican Rapids. That's really I, I look at. Uh, we talked about uh, Davies and West Fargo, and you've got uh, Shanley and Cheyenne. But on the Minnesota side of the river, that's the that's to me is one that stands out. You got Perm DGF as well, but Barnesville Pelican will yep. be fun. Yeah, a rematch of the section final last year, and you know Pelican when uh, Gula got hurt, they were really you know they they were giving Barnesville everything they could handle in the regular season game in Barnesville. We thought it was going to be maybe the the first home loss they've had in quite some time. And I think they've only lost at home once. And that was to Holly back in what, 2016, I do believe it was. I mean, it's the last home loss that they've had. And so it's on the road this year in Pelican. And I can tell you, you know, there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of people who know each other and maybe related to each other and that type of so there's been a lot of <laughs> hey looking forward to this uh, rematch from last year because Pelican played well in the first half of the section final last year but then Barnesville took it to him in the second half and I, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, they want some revenge uh, the, the kids from Pelican Rabbits I know they they've kind of looked over to their uh, friends to the West there, and they realize, hey, we got to get in the weight room because those kids are getting bigger and bigger over Pelican. This is going to be a tough game. Yeah, there's no doubt uh, about that. I think I think I called that loss at uh, at Barnesville, Holly Barnesville. I think they were both six and zero. I'm trying to remember the year if it was seventeen or something like that, but then it was a wild game. Mm-hmm. I do recall. So, all right, yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, well, the game. Of, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the game in Barn. Yeah, last time they, last time Barnesville lost, I mean, Holly took it to them too. I mean, yeah. that was the first year of the Lee's Paddle game, and and then the section final. It was a different story. So. I don't think there's any doubt these two teams might face each other twice this year. All right, uh, Corey Provis, uh, Provis standing by. We're going to talk some Twins baseball with that critical series coming up with Cleveland. Jody Norstead around the corner as well. We will uh, send you both on your way. Jack, uh, safe travels. Uh, good luck. And uh, I know you'll have a good call with the uh, Fighting Hawks and NAU. So that'll be 2 o'clock pregame, 3 o'clock over on KFGO. And, Derek, we will uh, talk to you as well. But thank you. Yeah, Sounds good. Thank, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Brad. Thanks for just multitasking back there, brother. Safe travels to you to Milwaukee. I'll have you on in Flagstaff. I'll be looking for Aunt Edna on the top of the Wagon Queen family trucks. I'm uh, I'm just hoping uh, I'm hoping I stay away from the Wisconsin State Patrol tomorrow. That's all I'm hoping for. So <laughs> yeah, just they speed in packs, you know, in Wisconsin. So that's the only uh, as you know. So yep, just so, find the right pack. So we're going now. It was Northern Cast last night, West Fargo tonight, Franklin, Wisconsin this weekend. That's what I'm talking about. That's it. That's life, baby. Oh, <laughs> hey, we're getting it done. <laughs> hey, have a good call, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you much. Uh, Jack Michaels, Derek Hansen joining us here on the show. Corey Provis around the corner next. Jack Michaels showing the fan after this. Well, 29 here in the Jack Michaels show. Brad Anderson in studio. Jody Norstad from Midco Sports around the corner. We'll talk some uh, North Dakota high school football, some intriguing matchups, uh, especially in 11 uh, AA, a little bit of 11A uh, as well. And we'll uh, talk all classes here coming up in a few minutes. Time to visit with the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Corey Provis, is the Twins and the Cleveland Guardians, a five-game series. Cleveland up four on the Twins in the American League Central race. And I guess one question, first off, Corey, five-game series, but they're still making some games up from earlier in the year. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, the Twins were, were supposed to open the season on the road, three in Chicago against the Sox and three in Cleveland. The three in Chicago they're making up at the end of the year, and that'll be the final Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, early October. That'll be that three-game series. Now, with Cleveland, instead of instead of a whole separate series, what they did was the Twins – essentially just had two trips to Cleveland all year long. They had a five-game series earlier in the year and then a second five-game series, which which takes place tonight. So they're making up. They had to make up three games, and they already had one doubleheader in Cleveland. They'll have a second doubleheader on Saturday, and then Monday was expected to be an off day. That was a scheduled off day for both teams. Instead, they'll play the third game of the makeup series on Monday, and hence that's why it's, it's another five-game series. Well, it was a roller coaster last weekend, disappointing a three-game series getting swept at home by the Guardians. You bounce back against a Royals team. It starts off with uh, with good pitching and, I guess, just enough offense with the uh, the patchwork lineup they're throwing out there. You know, you're going to have to win those games, though. I mean, you're not going to score six, seven runs a game on a nightly basis. I think the, 
the, the championship teams, the the first place teams, the playoff teams, they win their fair share of, you know, three, two games, two, one games, one, nothing games. You're, you're going to have to have those one run games. The twins, I think are now 20 and 21 in one run affairs. They had dropped four of their last five one run games before prevailing last night, but uh, you nailed it that the first two games, you know, the twins received starting pitching in a way that they hadn't seen really all year long, getting back to back seven inning starts. First time that's happened all year long and it's coming at the right time. And against a very poor team, the Royals are 30 games under 500. And, you know, you look at the White Sox who are a game in front of the twins in the standings. Think about how differently the White Sox record would be if they won the way the twins won and have been winning against Kansas city, the White Sox and Royals are done playing and Kansas city actually won that season series winning 10 of the 19 games. So the twins are in this thing right now because they're, they're, they're pounding the weaker teams and they've been doing better against the tigers lately. And they certainly have dominated the Royals here this season, winning 12 of the first 16. In previous conversations, we talked about and you kind of mentioned Carlos Correa and called him out and said, you know, he's got to he's got to play like a superstar, like a guy that's making thirty five, thirty six million dollars a year. And really about the last two, three weeks, he is uh, he's answered the bell. He was having a good year, not great uh, a couple of weeks ago. But with the run he's been on here the last two weeks, that that season is now pretty, pretty great. And uh, he's putting up numbers in, in, in a way that he hasn't in quite some time. And you look at some of the advanced numbers, he's really performing at a high level right now. It, it, it is coming at crunch time here when they're down so many guys. And you'll see a big disparity just in lineup you know, availability with Cleveland looking at the lineups here tonight. The Twins are going to be out without so many important guys. But, you know, there's not much they can do about that. They have to rally. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if teams pitch around Correa right now. Miranda's over his last seven. Rochelle is coming off a good series. Nick Gordon's been a savior. But uh, the way that is going right now, we'll see if Luis Arise can play tonight. Came in to pinch it uh, late last night dealing with a, with a sore hamstring. But the way that, uh, that Correa is going, we may see teams work around him a little bit more when they can. Joe Ryan went uh, had a no-hitter going seven innings the other night and uh, a lot of controversy. Some, uh, I'm sure a lot of fans wanted to see him uh, come out there and try and finish off that no-hitter. Feeling is, God, you need him for this series this weekend against Cleveland. Seven is enough. Where do you stand on all that? I mean, I get, I get all sides of it. I mean, I get that the fan in me and those that were there, those that were listening or watching, they want to see history. You know, there had never been, still has, there's never been a no-hitter thrown at target field, either by a twin or a visiting player. We've seen some close calls. And, um, you know, Joe Ryan certainly was in position to, to challenge that. His pitch count was at 106. One-third of his pitches in the game were foul balls. So just think about that. Think if he just had 20 fewer foul balls. That gives him at least at least one more inning, if not a possibility for, for, for a second inning. So I think Rocco looked at it like, hey, I have to put the team before the player. And from a team perspective, I need this guy to be at his best on Sunday when he's going to get the ball in probably his biggest start of the, of the season. So it was, it was not an easy call. I'm sure Rocco wrestled with that somewhat, but uh, you know, Joe Ryan, a younger guy, I'm sure he would love to have had the chance to go back out and try to make some history. I think he had a great shot to do it. We didn't see too many balls squared up against him that night. And uh, he certainly put himself in position to make some history, but Rocco put the team in front of the player 
And in that context, I think it was the right call. Is that something, uh, kind of a philosophy, maybe not so much with uh, with Rocco, but kind of in baseball in general, is yeah, you got the game in front of you, but you do have to look, and especially with the season, you know, 20 games left, you got to look three, four, five games down the line too, don't you? You do, and it's not just the start on Sunday. Then it's going to be the start, you know, after that. Then it's going to be the next time he gets the ball against the Angels. Then it's going to be the next time after that it's going to be against the White Sox. And then after that it's going to be either against the White Sox again or – or uh, in Detroit. So he has to also look ahead, not just to Sunday. Sunday is obviously the biggest one because it's the next one. It's the, it's the division leader right now. And, you know, the Twins are lining up the best that they have. The best that they have going right now are pitching in this upcoming series with Cleveland, and Joe Ryan certainly is a big part of that. Well, a name we haven't heard in a while will be uh, has been activated and will go tonight in Bailey Ober. And Bailey, it's been kind of a lost season for, for the young man after showing some promise a year ago. He's just He had this groin injury that kept him out for months. And he went about five innings in his last start on, on Sunday with the Saints. So I, I don't think he's that stretched out, but he stretched out enough to start, maybe five, possibly six, depending on, on pitch count. So, you know, it, it's, it's asking a lot, you know, but Bailey over big guy with that, with that length that he has not overpowering, but that length does offer some deception. And so we'll see how he does tonight. Uh, I don't think they're, they're, they're asking the guy to go nine innings, but if they can get, you know, five innings, maybe six best case scenario out of over tonight and then let the bullpen do its thing. And even with the pen arms that they used last night, I think everybody is available to pitch again tonight. Uh, you know, all the guys that we saw, you know, work behind Dylan Bundy last night, I would think are good to go tonight. I would say one of the, I don't say disappointments, but uh, one of the things I think they were relying on guys like Winder and guys like Ober to give them significant innings and the fact that both of them were hurt and early in the year, that certainly uh, was one thing that uh, made a huge impact on the uh, pitching staff, especially the rotation. No question, and the Twins have had a bad run here for a while of not being able to draft and develop their own homegrown starting pitching. And, you know, we, we still haven't seen Ober enough. We haven't seen Winder enough. We haven't seen Barlin enough. Um, so, I, I, to me, I think the last, you know, homegrown, reliable starting arm was Jose Barrios. He was drafted in 2012. So it's been a long time since the Twins had a guy that they really – called up, called their own, that drafted, developed, and then became an impactful major league starter. It's, it's, been, it's been a drought, and hopefully we're seeing this first wave uh, kind of creep in and, and try to make an impact. It's, it's been a smaller sample because of injury, but, but these guys are, are getting their chances now, and they're, they're throwing right into the fire here. I mean, Louis Varland, I think he's back tomorrow to be the 29th man and probably start the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday. So you're going to see Ober, probably Varland, then Winder. I mean, three young guys get the ball here these first three games of this pivotal series. You look at Cleveland, and uh, I think Terry Francona's maybe done one of his better managing jobs. I guess what's uh, the thing about the, the Guardians that has impressed you the most? I think what they've been able to do is that is the opposite of what the Twins haven't done and what the Royals are struggling to do and what the Tigers are struggling to do is that you know, Cleveland has done an, an, a masterful job with with developing their own pitching and making some great trades. I mean, that's another thing, too, is that, you know, Cleveland, looking back at how they built this contending team, you know, trading Clevenger when they did and the packs that they got back, 
in that trade is huge. I mean, trading Trevor Bauer when they did and getting the package they got back from the Padres and the Reds a little bit was huge. And then trading Francisco Lindor to the Mets and what they got back in return has been incredibly significant. Getting Andre Semenes and Ahmed Rosario back in that Lindor trade. So to me, it's, it's, it's an amazing job by their front office and what they, what they acquired and what they viewed as impactful players and turning all those guys, you know, some of them, many of them were prospects at the time into everyday star players. So to me, Cleveland, tip of the cap to what they've done in, in their front office and their scouting department and their, their, their drafting room and their coordinators at the minor league level because that's how they're doing this. They've made some good draft picks, yes, but my goodness, the trades that they have made in recent years has set them up not just for this year, but for years to come. Cleveland is the youngest team in baseball. I mean, Kansas City has the youngest positional players in the game right now, but if you add in the arms that, that Cleveland has, it is the youngest roster on average in the game. In fact, that team is younger than even some AAA teams in today's game. So this, this window that, that the Guardians have just opened up, this thing isn't closing anytime soon. No, I guess they're probably ahead of schedule a year or two, perhaps. So, I mean, I no think, question. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, pit- that's well said. Yep. Yep. I think uh, pitching wise, they pitching wise, I think they knew they were going to be okay. And I think the division knew that um, obviously, you know, Clase in the, the back end is huge with that as well. And, uh, you know, kind of look at the, the future of the, of the central, obviously Cleveland's there, Kansas city needs some pitching, but they've got position players uh, wise and, you know, the White Sox are maybe getting a little bit older and there might be a team in flux. And then there's kind of the twins in the middle of that, too. That's, that's well said. I agree. I think that Cleveland is going to be the preseason favorite next year. Uh, the White Sox, you know, you wonder if Abreu is going to come back. He's a free agent. Um, that's an older team. Um, they'll have some money to spend. The Dallas Keuchel's contract will come off the books, so they'll have some, some money to, to kind of spend elsewhere. But you know, as Monty Grandal is signed for one more year, he's had a down year. He's picked it up here a little bit lately, but you know, he's had an injury plague season. That, that's a that's an older team. Uh, Giolito is up after the end of 2023, so he can be a free agent here pretty soon. Michael Kopech, he's been up and down. He's been hurt, but they have Dylan Cease. Lance Lynn has been great since he's come off the IL. So they have some great names, uh, but keeping that team healthy has been a problem, and you're also looking at one of the worst minor league systems in the game. The White Sox, to supplement that big league team, they don't have the system to do that. Now, the twin system also has taken a big hit this year. I mean, not just in terms of guys that have graduated from prospect status to the big league team, but also guys that they were counting on to have good years, and many of them have not. So I think when, the, when, when Baseball America and Baseball Prospectus, when they put out you know, the top 30 farm systems in the game, I think the White Sox will be near the bottom, but the Twins are probably also going to be near that bottom third and all the baseball right now, maybe somewhere 20 to 30, um, just based on how how poorly some of their, their better prospects have, have played this season, I think that will, will take a toll on how the farm system is viewed upon throughout the game. Well, bottom line, do the, the Twins just need to win the series? Does it have to be at least four or five? I guess your take on what uh, what the Twins need to do to uh, to make some ground and stay in the race. I think that when it's all said and done on Monday night, when the team is on the plane headed to Kansas City, if they are three back, I think they're okay. If they're two back, they're they're in they're in good shape. But if they're three, I think that's that's okay. And the reason I say that is Cleveland is a game or two away from securing the season series with the Twins. 
that, and that's the number one tiebreaker. There's no more game 163s, and the, the, the Twins have played some famous ones with the White Sox, the Tigers, uh, the last decade, decade and a half. Those game 163s, that's now in the past. The number one tiebreaker is head-to-head record, and the Guardians are just about to secure the head-to-head season series with the Twins. So essentially that's another game that they trail in the standings. If they finish with the same record, Cleveland's going to be the be the champion based on how they fared against the Twins. So that's why I think three back in the standings, but realistically four overall with that tiebreaker edge, I think that's, that's about where, where, it, where it has to be, no higher than that. Anything beyond that, you're just you're just running out of days, and you don't play Cleveland anymore. And then the White Sox and Guardians only have one more series against each other, three in Chicago starting on Tuesday. Um, and so that that to me is is, is 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 something worth watching. But I think if they're two or three back when it's all said and done on Monday, I think they still have a chance. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll watch and wait on that. Corey Provis, radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. Great stuff as always, and uh, have a good weekend. All right. Thank you. Corey Provis says we'll be back with more. Jody Norstead will talk some high school football with us next here on The Fan. Coming up at 1247, Jack Michael's show continues on here on 740 The Fan. Common man just around the corner. High school football tonight, as it will be Davies and West Fargo, the ever-changing 11A North Dakota class. As It has jumped from week to week, and no better person to... Talk, uh, talk that over with Jody Norstead from Midco Sports. And uh, you're a voting member of those uh, polls like I am. And when you get to 11 AA, it's, uh, I don't know if you go dartboard at this point. Uh, you're just throwing it all together. It is week to week. It has changed. And that has made it a lot of fun. Yeah, at least Shanley's made it easy on us by not losing a game <laughs> yet. So it, it's easy to slot them at number one. But the rest is like, you know, this team bit beat this team but then they got beat by this team who got beat by this team and it's just you get down to a rabbit hole and you're like all right i'm better off just flipping a coin like you said i mean it's it's tough i mean davies has has looked really good at times but they've also had some bad halves i mean they lost to mandan in that first game and then they struggled to close things out against bismarck and almost you know kind of lost that one but uh they, they ended up pulling out the victory and then for West Fargo, I mean, you think they're a really good team, but they've had two losses decided by a combined seven points right now. So it's the Packers can be a good team. The teams out West, I mean, all have a case to be made. Mandan let one go against Minot last week, and Minot just surprised everyone. So it's crazy, and to see Bismarck and Bismarck Century a combined 0-6 is absolutely mind-boggling. I don't know if that's ever happened before. I don't believe so. I thought it, uh, it's been like the late 70s for Bismarck High, I saw, and I think close to 20 yeah. years for Century. It's just, uh, there's no doubt about it. Game tonight, Davies and West Fargo, the other one. Um, you know, Davies is certainly offensively maybe offers a little more than the Packers, so I mean, obviously trying to keep the score down. And West Fargo, such an interesting game last week against Legacy. No scoring in the second half, and West Fargo really controlled the ball but just couldn't uh, turn it into points. So Legacy made some stops, and they had to. Yeah, that's what Jay Gibson was saying. He's just, we were getting down there inside the 20, but we'd come away with no points, and that's frustrating because you go back to last year, you had guys that could finish, like Parker Nelson or throw it up to Carson Hagerly or, heck, even Jancy on the run, but this group just isn't quite there yet. They're not as mature in the backfield at the quarterback and running back spots, and Peyton McGregor's been an awfully good receiver, but I think teams have kind of caught on to that and are, are shutting him down a little bit, so... That's the interesting part about this matchup against Davies because last year 
Parker Nelson ran wild over him, and West Fargo really did a nice job running the football against him. But Davies feels that their strength, Brad, and you probably know this too, talking with the coaches, they feel their strength is stopping the run this year, and they've done a really good job of doing that. So they're pretty confident in their front seven. Shanley and Cheyenne tonight, a very intriguing matchup as well. They met in the semis uh, a year ago, and Shanley's put up some big numbers, led by Rosberg at quarterback, uh, 40-plus points, and facing a uh, what is usually a pretty sh- uh, stout Cheyenne defense. Yeah, and it usually stout. I mean, but they gave up 35 to Davies. They got hammered against Davies, and they always seem to have trouble. If there's one team that's given them fit uh, trying to stop them over the last, you know, two, three years, it's been Shanley's offense. I mean, Shanley's been able to score points on them. They just haven't been able to stop Cheyenne, and not many people have with the the way they've run the fullback. And uh, But they put up 29 and 21 against them last year. They put up 38 against them the year before. I don't know, Brad. I mean, I've, the Deacons have all the talent to get the job done and beat Cheyenne, but there's just something to be said about the Mustangs being a frustrated group, kind of getting their swagger back with a big win on the road against Century last week. It's it's an interesting matchup for me tonight. Uh, let's move to uh, 11A right now. It's Early on, it's kind of been Jamestown and North and the rest of the field. Um, other than the, the first two we mentioned, uh, does a Dickinson, does a South, uh, among others, uh, get play themselves into the mix? Maybe you know Valley City's off to a decent start. Valley City and Dickinson, an intriguing matchup tonight. Yeah, just waiting for Valley City to play someone in the someone a little tougher. I mean, they, they really manhandled, you know, Turtle Mountain, Watford City, and then Devil's Lake is you thought maybe could give them a little bit of a run, but they hammered them. So uh, it, it will be a really good test for them. So I'm excited to see the outcome between them and Dickinson uh, because the midgets are coming in 2-1 and one as well. Uh, but it, as far as contending against North and Jamestown, man, it's going to be tough. I think those two are head and shoulders above the rest. I think Red River has been a really physical team. Uh, so I think Red River could be in the hunt there in Fargo South, but um, right now the way North and Jamestown are, are taking it two teams. But Jamestown even had a tough time against Central in the first half last week. Um, so even Jamestown's kind of showed a, a little bit of weakness, but I think Jamestown and North probably have the most talent in that division. In 11B, uh, boy, Region 2 we knew was, was going to be good, but it's turned uh, really good with Thompson and uh, in Botnell. But the uh, the big game tonight up in uh, Hillsboro, HCV against Langdon, Edmore, Munich. And honestly, it's must win. Both those teams with one loss. Hillsboro's outside of the region. But, uh, you know, those teams might be looking at one more loss perhaps, and they might be uh, going to the road for the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, this game is always circled on the calendar, right? I mean, whenever Langdon, Edmore, Munich, and Hillsborough Central Valley meet, and how weird is it, Brad, to not have a ranking next to either of these teams entering tonight's game? How crazy is that? I know, it's hard to believe. To not, to not have either one of these in the top five, but obviously they have the coaching and the talent to get to get back. I mean, Hillsborough Central Valley, since getting blown out by Kindred, has responded with a couple of nice wins, and and Botnell's the real deal, man. I mean, Ryder Pullman, that, that team can sling it. Now, when it comes to the weather getting a little bit colder, are they going to be able to pass it as well as they have? Uh, lately, time will tell. But uh, this this region's tough with Langdon and Munich, and then you throw Thompson in there that's unbeaten. Uh, it's going to be a gauntlet to, to get through that region, too. Oaks has been a nice surprise in Region 1. Yeah, Oaks is off to a 4-0 start. They had that big win against Central Cats that I think opened a lot of eyes uh, because we thought Central Cast is going to be pretty good this year, and that's a program you've been really tied into with, you know, Weersma running the football and just the, the things that they're able to do defensively too, and they shut down Lisbon last week. So I, I think that was a wake-up call for Central Cast. So that, 
you know, that division is going to be tough too. Both those teams still have to play Kindred as well, yep. and we know how good the Vikings are. Yep, Vikings uh, tonight get Northern. They travel to Northern uh, Northern Cass in 9B. One matchup's kind of interesting. Uh, we'll get into region play a little bit more next week, but uh, a couple of 3 and one teams, Weinmere Lidgerwood against uh, Maple River, and Clay Hovelson has been putting up some uh, Tecmo Bowl-like numbers uh, running the football, actually on both sides of the ball. Yeah, what do they do? They fed him 43 times last week in the <laughs> right. win over Hatton Northwood for 282 yards, four touchdowns. It's like, are you kidding me? And he already has a game ball from us for rushing for like 280 against Richland. So uh, he's a workhorse, and he's going to go against a Weimar Lidgerwood team that's probably going to be the toughest toughest team he's faced uh, so far outside of Lamore Litchville Marion in the opener, who just destroys everyone. But um It'll be interesting to see what happens. Wymere Lidgewood's got its confidence rolling here, three and zero. We know that they have in the backfield with Arth and, and a couple others that are looking pretty good right now. So I think that's definitely one that I'm going to have my eyes on tonight. Yep, and uh, next week uh, will be our game of the week on the fan with Hankinson at Wymere Lidgewood. Always a battle, and the Pirates have uh, played fairly well uh, as well. Any games that uh, we we uh, missed here before we let you go? that you missed boy uh, you know red river and central the cushman classic mm-hmm. tonight always a fun rivalry and i think central's a better team than they have been in recent years i think the coaching changes has kind of been good for them and uh so it, it'll be interesting to see how that matchup goes west fargo horace how about that their first home varsity game happening tonight against wapiton uh, wapiton has a really good running back and trait mouth that impressed mm-hmm. me last week against north they just don't have the depth uh so horace i mean is this a chance where they can kind of Keep up with the team. They haven't shown that yet. I mean, no seniors on the roster, but uh, we'll see how they can fare tonight to, against Wapton and Bowman County and Shiloh Christian. Another good one. Uh, two, three, and one teams out west that we'll have highlights of. All right, very good, Jody. Appreciate it, and uh, we will see you over in West Fargo tonight. All right, sounds good. See you there, Brad. All right, Jody Norstead from Midco Sports joining us here on the uh, program. And before we uh, before we close here, and we've got uh, pairs of tickets. Game three of the. Uh, uh, Miles Wolf Cup Finals, the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks getting to t- take on the Milwaukee Milkman. That's going to be Tuesday night, 6.30, on the first pitch here at Newman Outdoor Field. Game 1 and 2 in Milwaukee this weekend. If you'd like to go to Game 3, you can go on us. We've got a, some pairs of tickets, 237-3767 or 1-888-458-6926. If you'd like to go check that out, that'll be Tuesday night at 6.30. For Jack and Derek, Corey Provis, and Jody Norstead, I'm Brad Anderson. Have a uh, great weekend. High school football tonight, Davies and West Fargo, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock on the kickoff here on 740. The fan coming is next. Have a great weekend.